It's Thursday afternoon and time to catch up with personal finance expert Mary Holm who joins me now via Zoom. Hi there, Mary. Hello, Jesse. Got your, got your handle on technology, have you there, Mary? You're sounding pretty loud and clear. Um, look, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> trying. trying. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, well, listen, a perennial question today rentals or shares, where's the best place to put your money in and how hard is it to work it out? Yeah, and, and I was thinking, it is an absolutely perennial question, but I was thinking recently when I heard somebody on the radio, I think it was, um, comparing the returns on houses with the returns on shares over a recent period, um, it was actually, um, CanStar said since 2000, House prices have risen fivefold, so more than a bit more than five times as much. Yeah, you know, from one hundred to five hundred or whatever, and the share index has risen sevenfold, and which you know surprises people sometimes when you tell them that because there's more um, publicity around the fact that house prices go up. I think you know definitely. Are and, and yeah. we always, we've always said that. I mean, you've been on the show with me for, you know, probably over five years now. We've always said, oh, people assume that, um, you know, housing is the one that they know um, for yes. whatever reason. Although maybe that's changing the last couple of years, Mary. People seem to be sort of getting a bit excited about shares again. Yeah, look, I agree. I think, you know, with the, with the online share trading platforms, the Invest Now, Hatch, Sharesies, et cetera, um, the younger generation in particular getting into it more. And maybe, you know, people are hearing what extraordinary returns there have been on shares and since since the turn of the century, actually, despite um, the global financial crisis in sort of 07, 08, 09. Since then, shares, well, and, and overall from 2000 on, shares have done really well. But, but one thing, you know, people sort of say to me, yeah, but that doesn't kind of match with what, has happened to me or what I've heard. I've done, you know, way better in property than, than what you're saying. Mm. And the, the key, the big difference between most investments in shares and most investments in property is that people borrow to invest in rental property I'm talking yeah, about here yeah. now. Um, and most people don't borrow to invest in shares. Um, and, and by the way, if you're looking at literature online and that, in New Zealand we call it gearing, and I think in England too, if you <clears throat> borrow to invest in anything. And in America they call it leveraging. It's exactly the same thing right, people yep. come across that year. Um, and the, the, the point is, of course, that if you borrow to invest in something, uh, you get the growth on not only the money you've put in, but the money that the bank or, or whoever you borrowed from has put in. So um, so if you're looking at a geared rental property, which nearly always that people borrow to, to invest in rental properties, you're likely to get higher returns than you will in an ungeared share investment because you get the growth on the borrowed money as well as your own money. Um, but you don't get something for nothing in the investment world. And... Um, so we've got to, of course, look at, we've been looking at returns. Now let's look at the other side, the risk. Mm. And I, I say to people sometimes, think about what's the worst thing that can happen with an investment? And people usually reply, 
that I lose all my money. And that isn't actually the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> if, you, if you're in, in a gear investment, you can end up losing all the money you put in and still owing money to the bank or whoever lent you money. And, I mean, that's where things get really hideous. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's actually um, in, prop, in shares, people don't typically borrow to invest in shares, but they did in the 1980s. New Zealand went mad in the share markets in the 1980s. And that's why the 87 crash was so hideous in New Zealand because people ended up with no money because the shares they had bought went to zero and they owed the bank or the share broker or somebody else money. So that's a horrible thing and it does happen in property as well. So, so So when we're comparing a rental property and shares, we should typically be saying um, that if there's no borrowing for either of them, shares are riskier. We're talking diversified shares here, of course, and yeah. so the you know a wide range of shares, but it still tends to be riskier than property. But um, when you start adding gearing into the property side and not into the shares side, then the property is quite likely to be riskier, especially if you've got a big mortgage on it. You know, if you're borrowing. Um, 50, 60, 70% of the value of the property and sometimes even more, then you're taking pretty big risk. Um, and, you know, in recent times, property values have just gone pretty much steadily up. And so people say, oh, look, it's fine. Property just keeps on going up. We'll be right. Um, when it goes wrong is when people, firstly, a lot of people with rental property have to put cash in to cover the mortgage. The, the, the rent that's coming in isn't enough to cover the yeah. mortgage plus rates and insurance and, and maintenance, other costs, and they're putting extra money in. And that's fine, you know, usually. Then other things that can go wrong, though, are that the rates or the insurance might rise a lot. House insurance has gone up a lot recently, for example, um, and you never know about rates. Or there could be sudden big cost, big maintenance costs, like you suddenly find you've got to replace the roof or something like that that costs thousands of dollars mm. that you hadn't, hadn't predicted. Or there could be a shortage of tenants. And, and that, you know, that could start happening in the next year or two quite, or so. Quite hard to imagine given the level of sort of coverage over the last few years, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but it, it does happen. You know, the, there's a shortage of tenants and then there's a glut of tenants, just like all these other things that happen in the investment world. Mm. It, can't, it ebbs and flows. And there's a whole lot of, um, they call them build-to-rent properties being built at the moment, you know, complexes that include a whole lot of places that are going to be rented out. And that's happening in a big way in, around Auckland and elsewhere. And so there could be a, a time where there's not a shortage of rental property, there's a shortage of tenants to go into it. Yeah, um, and, and it tends to lag as well, right? The, the amount of time it takes to build houses means it's not like demand uh, supply sort of automatically matches demand. You can find yourself with no. way, way too much of one or the other. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's not like... There are a lot of things, and I'm suddenly trying to think of an example, where there's a shortage, and so suddenly 
suppliers pop up pretty yeah. fast mm. in, in any sort of a shortage because shortages tend to push up prices. So people say, oh, I'm going to get into that market. Um, but with property, it takes a long time, a year or two quite often from, from go to woe to get the whole thing up and running. And by then, the shortage might not be there anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a messy market, yeah. inevitably. Um, when there's a shortage of tenants, things happen to landlords. Sometimes they just go for a period with no tenants. They lose their tenants and can't get anyone. And then they can get desperate and accept tenants who might not be that reliable, might not pay the rent, might wreck the place if they have a big party. Um, and rents tend to fall as well, of course, if, if you're sort of desperate to get a tenant, you're going to be willing to accept a lower rent. Um, you know, with those sort of problems, you, you can get property managers in to help with, say, unruly tenants, but then you've got to pay for the property managers. And I've had a few people write to my column saying property managers weren't a solution for me because they ended up being a problem in themselves. They weren't performing the way I wanted them to <laughs> or they cost too much money. So, look, it can get to be a bit of a nightmare. Um, and what quite often is, is the last straw for people is that they're having to put extra money in from elsewhere from their pay or from some other source of income and that dries up. They might lose their job or get pay cut or hours cut, something like that. And they end up, this is just getting too hard, they haven't got enough money to cover the extra costs of the rental property and so they're forced to put the property on the market. And the sad thing about that is that that quite often happens when property markets are down, you know, yeah. when the economy is just not doing well, well. And lots of other people are going through the same thing, right? If, if, if you yeah, exactly. found that the interest rates are a bit too hard to cover, then chances are lots of other people have as well. Or, or if you're, right. you, you know, the absolute disaster, which might happen at some stages, suddenly coastal properties become uninsurable. And so everyone tries yeah. to sell those. And yeah, it's unlikely that you'll be the only person going through this particular set of circumstances. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and the, the shortage of tenants, those sort of things can happen right across the economy or certainly the local economy. So, yeah, so that the so here we have a landlord being forced to sell and it's not uncommon for that to happen at a time when house prices are going down. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's one of those things a year or two ago people just said, oh, house prices don't go down. When COVID first came, they forecast house prices would go down and look what happened. They kept on soaring. Yeah. Um, but, but now we're all, you know, there's so many articles now saying, oh, yeah, for all sorts of reasons, we won't go into it here, but there's a lot of reasons why house prices are quite likely to start certainly slowing down and, and if not actually falling. So if somebody finds they're selling a rental property, that let's say they bought it in the last few years, they might find they're selling it for less than the mortgage. You know, I mean, that's, that's the hideous scenario. Yeah. They're forced to sell because they can't cover their costs and they can't get enough from the proceeds of the house sale to pay the mortgage. And that's when they're left with this awful scenario we were talking about, where they've got nothing, no assets to show for their investment and a debt. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, so the, all of this has got to be borne in mind when you're comparing shares and rentals. And I've painted way too gloomy a picture here, I know, <laughs> because 
many, many people do really well with rental property. It, you know, it often works out to be an excellent investment. It's just that people get stars in their eyes sometimes and just think it can't go wrong. Um, and, and, and also just keep in mind when you're comparing shares and rental property, it is a complicated comparison because of the borrowing, the gearing that usually goes on with property and usually not with shares. So, yeah. Very good. Um, time, time for another couple of quick points? or Yes, please do. Time? Go ahead. Yeah, a couple of points. About your own home, if people are listening to this and thinking, oh, well, I haven't got a rental or I might have one, but uh, what about my own home? Um, the people nearly always borrow to buy their own home as well. Um, and, and there's quite likely to be a, a, a scenario coming up in the next months um, called negative equity. And that means when your house is worth less than your mortgage, you know, people have bought recently and suddenly they, you know, they've borrowed 80% of the value of the property and then house prices go down by more than 20%. Yeah. It's quite possible that'll happen. It certainly happened in the past. I've been through it and a lot of people have. Uh, the, the key is just to stay calm. Um, is if it's your own home, you just keep paying your mortgage as you always did, and the house prices will go back up again. They always do in the end. So don't fret about it. Yeah. The value yeah. of your house, if you're living in it, is, well, I don't know if you go as strongly near to say it's irrelevant, but it's it's not that relevant to your day-to-day life, right? You're quite right. Absolutely. People take too much notice of it, especially when house prices are rising. Yeah. And they, they, we have what we call the wealth effect. People feel wealthier. They say, oh, gosh, I'm a millionaire. So many people say that now. So common. <laughs> We're all millionaires. Um, and so they go and spend more money on other things. Um, but it, it is actually irrelevant. You're quite right because, you know, you want somewhere to live in until you die, probably. And so you what it's worth doesn't matter that much until you're actually entering the pearly gates and the kids inherit or something. But um, it isn't that relevant. Yeah. yeah and, and by the Unless way, this is, to- this is a bit of a tangent and, and it's a bit of a philosophical thing, but we don't actually have buyers for all of these $1 and $2 million homes around New Zealand, right? Like individually, they might be able to get that value, but if they all sold at once, there'd be nobody to buy them at that rate. Well, good point. Yes, mm. yeah, quite. It's um, it's it's all in some ways a little bit fake yeah. at the moment. <laughs> I, I was talking to a man on the beach the other day who I know a little, and he said, oh, "I've got two houses. I'm worth five million now." And I sort of came off the beach and thought, "Yeah, he was kind of a little overconfident about it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, now the the other <laughs> point was just to follow up from last time where we're. Um, I was mentioned that I had bought some shares in Mercury Energy. Yeah. Um, the, the value had gone from $1,000 to $2,500. I bought them in 2013, so that's over nine years. And you said, what return is that, Mary? And I said, oh, I don't know. Um, and I thought it was quite a good return. but And it turns out it's just over 10% a year. Mm. Um Whereas the NZX50 index, which is the 50 biggest companies in the country, has made about 11%, although that index includes dividends. And in, in, in my Mercury Energy's 
shares didn't include dividends, I was explaining then I was just getting them in the bank and they were getting lost in the grocery bills. <laughs> um, now, now with Mercury Energy, I've got them reinvested. That's what we were talking about yeah. last time. And so, it, so it's growing about the same as the big companies around New Zealand, which and they're all growing really nicely, which is great. I sort of, I was just thinking it would be quite nice instead of investing a thousand, I'd invested a hundred thousand, and that had turned into two hundred and fifty. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you would be the first person to tell me, Mary, that just because they've gone up ten percent a year since twenty thirteen yes. doesn't mean they're going to go up ten percent a year from now. And in fact. Studies would show, Mary, you've told me that um, perhaps they're actually less likely to continue doing that. Yeah, there's quite a good chance that there'll be a, a quote, correction on that. It's, and I should note that, you know, I've got, I invest in share funds in KiwiSaver and outside KiwiSaver and funds that invest largely in shares. And to the extent those are New Zealand shares, I will have been getting those returns over the recent times anyway. And, mm-hmm. and, the funds have been growing really nicely. They, they've also got international shares, and as it happens in this period, international shares haven't grown as fast as, as New Zealand ones um, since, you know, in the last 10 years. In the last year or two, I think they've grown more. It comes and goes. Yeah. It's best to have both. Yeah, actually, yeah. if you look at the um, New Zealand share market over the last year or so, it's not looking quite so pretty, is it? No, no, I, th- I think... In yeah, the last little while, yes, the New Zealand market's sort of gone nowhere much. Um, last last, last six months, down 9.25%. Is it down that much? That's the NZX50 I'm looking at, yeah. Yeah, yes, you've got that right in front of you. So, yeah, look, it's been wobbling around. The world shares have done better in the last little while. There will always be periods when one does well better than the other. And the New Zealand shares, yes, they're not. They're wobbling at the moment. Um, but hang in there, everybody. As we've said many times, don't bail out. <laughs> It'll come right. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, Mary, great to have you on. Thank you so much. Great to t- talk to you today. Yes. Yeah, you too. That's Mary Holm. And if you've just come in at the end there, Mary was talking about how to compare the returns you can get from rental property with the return you can get from shares. If you um, want to hear the start of that conversation, Uh, All my chats with Mary are on the RNZ podcast page.